Hello and welcome to Yes You. We're so glad that you joined us on today and uh, we look forward to having a very uh, uh, lively conversation with you on this afternoon. We're glad for uh, Tyrone with us on today. And the yeah. supervisor is our engineer. That's right. That's right. Give me your wave. Give me your wave. Yeah. And uh, we've got uh, Jonna, who is out today, feeling a little under the weather. So we're sending love and all kinds of prayers and good energy your way, Jonna, because you are truly missed here on Yes You. Yeah. And then we've got one that's renegade. So. <laughs> <laughs> But we're what? here. We're right. Here. We're here. Listen, I just want to start right here, and I'm going to let this just sit in your spirit. Last <laughs> week, we started the conversation about the insanity of wanting to go back to school, and in my opinion, uh, insanity. And uh, we heard various and sundry opinions on that. But if you would just look at the bottom of the screen, I'd like to give you the update to the school that started back on this week. Oh, man. In one week's time. Two teachers, two, two, two percent, two percent, <laughs> two have tested positive. Now, that being said, let me let you all have your way. <laughs> Are we? we yes, go ahead. Bring to, um, what's her name? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, if she's watching, I don't know if she's watching or not, but if, uh, if uh, <laughs> <I hate you. laughs> uh, oh, we're getting we're getting love from John. I want to put yes. that up. Yeah, we got all kind of love coming at you, baby. We got all kind of love coming at you, baby. And at the same time. I'm just really uh, at a loss for words. I, I'm, 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 I'm going to say I'm speechless. Now that's a lie because I got a whole lot that I could say. But for all practical reasons of of being a decent moderator here on uh, Yes You, I'm going to say I'm speechless. Which throws the ball into your court, Tyrone. And what do you have to say, kind sir? I mean, this is going back to last week. Like, I don't understand the big push for going to have the kids go back to school. I mean, here they started, they opened this week, and two teachers are testing positive. So, what does that look like? What is the the big picture of things? Were they were they impacted by the kids? Or, I mean, do we now have full classrooms that are now being quarantined? So these kids are still at home after we pushed to get them back into school. Um, it's, it's just it's it's a, a downfall. Even here in Texas, they they pushed back the opening day for school because I mean, people. I mean, we're getting thousands of cases every day. It's it's really no point of forcing kids to go back to school to be 
to face this. You go you go to school, and now you're impacted because your teacher came up positive. Now you have to go home and be be quarantined. I mean, it's 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 pointless. And I'm interested to know, and I don't know what the the play out is here. I'm interested to know what are they doing with contact tracing or tracking because, you know, somebody, I'm trying to figure it out. Somebody's going to have to empty out whole entire classrooms, buses, whatever the case may be. If we're really genuinely talking about everybody that has come in contact with these individuals. And so I am just absolutely flabbergasted. But at the same time, why am I flabbergasted? Why? Why am I flabbergasted? Because didn't we know, I mean, at some point, and and, and, and I just want to just, this isn't our topic for today, but you know I had to do the follow-up. You know <laughs> I had to do the follow-up. Because at the end of the day, in less than five days back, two, Uh two, not one, but two. And then, I mean, then you look at big picture. So now these two teachers have tested positive who've gone home. And then their kids are impacted. Who's probably may not be in that school district. But these two kids, their kids have now gone to, I mean, to be amongst their friends or in their school if their school has opened back up. So now, I mean, there's risk for everybody. Like we're, we're wasting resources and time trying to force people back to school for what? Like what's the, what's, what's, what's the push? Well, right. I understand there's a grandmother that's reading the dickens out of them. And... <laughs> You know, but now, you know, we're we're laughing, but rightfully so, because grandmother is potentially more at risk, maybe, you know, since Mm -hmm. we have all this dialogue, the kids are resilient. The kids' bodies are going to fight it. They're not going to get it. And if they do, we anticipate that it's going to be minimal impact. But at the end of the day, you got mom and dad, if there's mom and dad in the home, you got grandma, you got friends, you got this one, you got that one. And so why do we feel comfortable to take the risk? Because somebody has decided that the kids can't get it and this is what they want to do. Uh, Anita, schools want parents to sign a disclaimer. You got to be kidding me. So if you kill my child, if you kill my mother and my father, Right. And my grandpa and my grandma them, I can't say anything to you because I signed a disclaimer because I want my child to be educated though they're in the grave or somebody's dead. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to understand it, y'all. I'm trying to un- help me, help me, because I'm not getting it. It's it's crazy. I actually talked to a coworker um this well yeah this week um we were doing a training. And she was like, she was explaining to me that her, whatever she says, um, they're only making the high school kids go back to school. They're, they, they're, anybody like sixth grade and under still work, will still be required to do school at home. But it, just, it, it made me, I felt some kind of way because her thing was, she was like, I've been in this house with these kids and they got to go. 
And it was like, I, I get that. But do you realize, you know, they got to go and they come home almost dead. It's going to be, they're going to be gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, she was like, I'm here with my husband and I'm here with these kids and I just need them to go back to school. They got to go. Oh, like, but do you realize what else is going, I mean, the bigger picture here. Yes, they may get on your nerves. Put them in the basement. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't send your kids back. Anybody sending their kids back to school right now is they're really not thinking things through. Well, and, and uh, Rashida, I don't know if you can go over to, I don't know if that's coming out of Facebook or YouTube, We're we're but we're recording on several, broadcasting to several platforms simultaneously. So those of you that are, are, are writing in, I don't always know where you're coming from or who you are, but go back to that one about the, the it's being called the death waiver. The death waiver. The death waiver and i just want to let it sit right there for a second are we serious the death waiver and you want me to sign it right and it's it's going to impact us more than it's going to impact anybody else well minority more than it will impact anybody else because we have to go to work we have to pay the bills i mean we don't have those the savings that the dominant race may have. So we're put in a position where I got to keep my job. You know, my job is going to tell me I got to come back to work. Unemployment, I'm not getting that extra $600 a week. So I, I have to make this decision to basically put my children in, in harm's way. But isn't that squeeze being purposely done? I feel like it is. I feel like the squeeze is being perfectly done. And, and, and I'll say this in, in, in my own little discourse here, I don't consider myself to be a conspiracy theorist, but I will say that there is a super PAC and several that are out that are trying to get what they're calling school choice as an agenda. Now, mind you, they've got the charter schools sold up. They own them. Now we actually are trying to get into uh, the idea that like you're doing us a favor for the parents that decide, I don't want to send my child back to public school. And I want to underscore bold, italicized, all caps, public schools, because what's going on with the private schools? These kids are not in jeopardy in private schools. So they're going to present to us this idea that we've got this wonderful opportunity for now i'm I'm gonna make this connection the same time the same way we got privatized jails now you want to give me privatized education boxed up and bottled up under the guise of choice Choice to come to your school, which is going to make you a fat cat, which you already are, which is what has allowed you to go out and create these privatized schools. And when you talk about private education for my child, it's not the same private education you all are getting at your institutions. Hello, somebody. So now, like you said, so eloquently, Tyrone, I got to go back to school because they're going to cut off my unemployment. 
I got it's a squeeze all the way around, and eventually somebody's gonna give because it's gonna look very attractive to go with school choice than any other alternative that's being put out there. So that's my thing. And no, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. However, I do feel like there is a hidden agenda and something is rotten in Denmark. And I do believe it's something like that. Because what other reason could you have for forcing kids to go back to school with no apparent end of the virus in sight and Listen, we shut down in March and we shut down in March with numbers that were way smaller than the numbers that we have currently. But you want to send these kids back to school. I just can't believe it. And I'm going to get off my high horse and my pontificating. But that's my idea of this wicked agenda that they have out here. And I think the goal is to squeeze us into school choice and choosing not our schools, not public schools, but their schools that they own and privatized education is going to look just like privatized jail system. We're going to be slaves in somebody else's system. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's an agenda out there. And because like I said, I don't understand what the big push is to send kids back to school. Yes, I understand, you know, it may not be the best, education right now, especially being taught by your parents who still have to work, who still have to take care of the household, this, that, and the other. But at the end of the day, you still have your child. You know, you're not sending your child. I mean, every, I'm sure every parent sends their kids to school in the morning expecting them to come back home the same way they sent them. Yes. And putting your child in a situation of, I'm going to send you home, but you may not come back home the way I and I'm, I, that, that has to tear people up. There, there's an agenda somewhere. Oh, and I don't know if it's, if it's political. I don't know if it's, you know, I, I'm not sure what it is. But I feel it's one of those situations where this is still severely going to backfire in people's face. We see mm-hmm. a school, one weekend, two teachers positive. Absolutely. She was looking the- at big pictures. There's, there's so much more that goes into this. Oh, so, I mean, so much more into that. Absolutely. And just be prepared because at the end of the day, whatever they offer, they're not going to do us a favor. Right. We're going to be the sheep led to the slaughter at the end of the day. Sheila said this, it may be time to send the children to stay with auntie. (laughs) The dichotomy of public versus private education is not all caps screaming, not a benefit for poorer parents. And you are absolutely correct. Uh, you know, and the interesting thing about that, if you want us to have private education and school of choice, let our kids come to your private schools. Uh-huh. Don't make another private school to send uh-huh. our children to. Let our kids give us some coupons, discounts, and whatever else you're going to give. And they've been trying to do this for school of choice. Uh-uh. Don't give me that for the school that you created. Sit, give me that to come to your school and let my child sit next to your child. Then I might feel able to breathe just a little bit easier. Otherwise, mm. it's a farce. It's a farce. Yeah. So I just had to open up with a follow-up. <laughs> and Tyrone said, uh, well, you know, <clears throat> we don't have uh, special guests today. 
yet. However, uh, I just want to the program going. Well, you know, I'm I'm going to assume that that program is still going well. However, in the public school system in John Q. Public, two, two, two percent, two percent. I had a two percent chance. Two percent. And we're batting a thousand. So there you have it. That is our follow-up to last week's session. And I'm sure the conversation will continue to go on and on and on and on and on. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm sorry, but I'm not convinced. I'm not converted. I ain't going and I'm not sending my kids to your school. How about that? So let's go back. I want to get that down. I, I appreciate your input there for our entry. However, I do want to um, approach this concept. Tonight, you see our topic is changes to the political fabric. And <clears throat> let me say with that, I'm not here to debate candidates. We're not here to talk partisan politics. We're talking about changes to the political fabric. And when we look at the political fabric, this is what I have to uh, address. And that is that something's got to change in our current state of existence. Now, tonight, really what I wanted to do was to take the time to let's pick our brains and say, what do we think a possibility could be. And I, right now, I feel like there are all kinds of possibilities because I feel like we're perched for change. We're right on the pet precipice of something coming down the pipe that's going to be hugely transformative. And I think we got to actually start kind of thinking outside the box. So I've already brought up the point, and I'll use that for a segue, of these super PACs. And I am speaking, one super PAC came up on my radar because I kept seeing from the different areas in their primaries, this same super PAC name kept coming up. And I was like, huh, let me check this out. You know, who are they? And so as I look, you've got top, top, top government officials on this super PAC, giving testimonials for this super PAC. Uh, I mean, corporate CEOs, of Fortune 500 companies on this super PAC, their big push is that we get things done and we don't care what party you're from. If you don't vote the way we vote, we take care of you. It's almost like a political threat. <laughs> but at the end of the day, one of the things that they had as their top agenda was school choice, okay? So that that's why that's a hot button for me right now because I'm like, if the big super PACs are making this a top goal, then when I look at education, I have to wonder, are you guys scheming and scamming over here because you schemed and scammed on just about everything else? But I want to address aside from that, how do you feel about this whole, instead of we the people, which I believe in, my vote should be the vote that counts how do you feel when the super PAC 
trumps all of us, and I really wasn't trying to say that name, but I'm talking about huh. it, it, it actually supersedes, it appears, our vote because whole blocks are voting the direction of these super PACs. And let's not get it twisted. At the end of the day, the bottom line is dollars. They throw big money for their candidates and for the things that they want done. And money talks and people don't have power. So one of my first things that I'm looking at, can we get rid of the lobbyists and the super PACs and get back to the day of we the people and my vote is my vote without your lobbying, without your super PAC. What do you think about that? Was there ever a time when we were we, we were the people and we didn't have the, the super PACs? Well, now we did not have super PACs at now. Uh, let me say this: the visibility of the super PACs nowhere okay. near what it is today. I think back in my day, lobbying had come out big. The lobbyists, I mean, people have whole entire jobs. That's all they do is lobby. How do you make a whole entire career job off of lobbying? You're sitting there every day, and I'm not even going to guesstimate what y'all doing every day to get, hello, uh, <laughs> Y'all saw Scandal. <laughs> you saw Tyler Perry's The Oval. <laughs> There's a whole lot of stuff going into politics that has nothing to do with politics. So at the end, I have to say this, Epstein and his, either he suicided, meaning somebody made him commit suicide or he committed suicide, which I strongly doubt, based on the reality that obviously the information and details he had on all these big people must have been enough for them to want him to be quiet. At the end of the day, and this man, he lied. I mean, if, if, if you look at his story, he lied from day one about graduating from school. Nobody could trade. Where is all of this big money coming from that he's throwing around that he owns an island, he's flying here, he's flying there. But all of your big wheels are in his face. All of his big wheels are on his plane. All of these big wheels are on his island. And the influence that he had over and over when he should have been in jail a long time ago. Other people should have been in jail a long time ago. So we're talking about district attorneys. We're talking about all different levels of government in the justice system that do whatever these people want them to do. I'm saying... All of these super PACs, powers, and money that is calling the shots has got to stop. So lobbyists, and I understand the concept of where lobbying started, but where it is now is not where it started when we knew about it. And then the super PACs just came out and blew everybody away. I mean, I think any politi every political party is, is corrupt. Um, we the people have... Is has gone out the window a long time ago. Um, the super PAC, like you said, the super PACs are those big people, the NRA and those other big organizations and big political people who, who fund um, politicians, their voice is going to be the voice that's going to be heard regardless. Um, and like, we've just gotten to a point 
just like with with you know, can the country be healed? We're at a point now where if we would we would we're so far removed from we the people because these big corporate organizations are funding, we would never go back to that. Well, so yes, I, we want. I, I mean, yes, I, we want our best heard, but about that. I think I have an answer. Okay. How about <laughs> in the days of technology, can one vote? Let me get my get, get, okay. Let me get it in. The, let me get it in the picture. There it is. Okay, my, my camera's someplace else, and I'm somewhere. Yeah. Uh, okay, can 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 I in today's technology, today's technology that's coded well enough that I can transfer money, thousands of dollars, I can do all kinds of things with this phone. Why can't I vote on my phone? One vote one person bust the super pack y'all ain't buying what i'm selling bust the lobbyists because if you want to know what i feel and you want to put it to a vote let me vote on my phone i don't need a lobbyist and i don't need a super pack i mean do you feel they care what they care about what you feel i'm saying if you really want to keep it honest Okay. In a day and time when technology, why are we going to the polls anyway in 2020? It's a way to keep us down. It's a way to suppress the demand. The hard worker. They will. They will never let us vote on our phones. Tyrone. <laughs> they, they they will never let us vote on our phones. They still want us to count on marbles. Oh, you know. <laughs> The other day, I received a letter in the mail telling me that there was an issue with my address and I needed to update my voter registration in order to vote. I voted from this address in this area for the last three years. Now, all of a sudden, there's an issue with my address. They will never let us vote on our phone. You don't need to mail it in. You don't need to mail it in. (laughs) And I couldn't do that online. They wanted me to literally like put a stamp on a mail. Can 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 y'all can y'all see that phone? Can can y'all see that phone? We can say it. Computer. You, you're never gonna vote on. We send all kinds of encrypted data over the internet, but we're standing in lines now. Let's deal with this. We got voter suppression. Yep. We have polls that have been shut down under the guise of Corona. I saw one where there's some god awful number. They shut down like 16 precincts and everybody has to vote at this one precinct at a location where the people don't even have the transportation to get to the location to vote. In a, in a black community, nor do they have the supplies to support everybody coming there. But in a black comu- community, they have a cell phone. You're never going to vote on it. <laughs> you, got a black president. you got a black president, but you will never vote on your phone. Trust me. <laughs> Why are we people not crying foul? That's what I don't understand. 
why do we continue in 2020 when all the technology in the world is able to, they're talking about putting people on Mars. We're taking the common man and shooting him into outer space just because they want to. But we have to stand in a line and go over with a pencil and sign our names in a book that S to T to U to V is in this line over here and so-and-so is in this line over here and bubble it in. And then you want to come back and say the machines were broken. And since they were broken, we had to take your paper your slip of paper and count it one by one to get the tally so that three months later we're still counting tallies and we all have listen little kids i got a dear friend her baby called her from the restroom saying mama i need some help on her cell phone <laughs> You're never going to vote on it. And I honestly wouldn't I honestly wouldn't trust voting on my phone. I, I honestly don't trust voting in the polls either. Because I know when I go to the polls, they're like, are you Democrat or Republican? And, you know, you go in a certain direction and this, that, and the other. But there's so much stuff that happens with cell phones. I feel, I mean, we always have Russia trying to, you know, get coronavirus information from the United States. Um, we've already had the government add... Um, coronavirus software onto our phones, which is just another tracking device, without our knowledge and without our knowing. Um, I wouldn't trust voting on my phone. Well, Sheila said cheaters will not hesitate to hack phone-based voter systems a la Twitter last week. And I get that, but I'm like this. I, I guess I'm, I'm the technology maven here that says I sure trust a cell phone a lot better than I trust these pieces of paper. But well, what about our what about our older generation who 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 struggle with the technology? Would you would you want it to be where we just take away the voting booth altogether, or just having that having that option of being able to vote on your phone? I'm saying give it as an option because at the end of the day, I'm looking at the reality that in 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 in, in reality, most of our seniors know how to work their phones. And most of our seniors, even if they don't know how to work the phones, I can see them being more apt to vote on their phone, particularly for those that are physically challenged. Who can go stand in those long lines all day just to vote? My mother can't stand up that long to vote. She can't stand up that long to get to the, the, to the poll. So at the end of the day, then you got all the issue with the absentee ballots. Then you got all the issues with the paper ballots being mailed in and this and that and the other. Good grief. If you're going to do all of that, what am I losing? It, it, it would be a good idea, but it is not going to happen. You'll get a female president before you can vote on your vote. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Tyrone. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm just saying, can we, and, and, and at the end of the day, even if we can't do it by phone, can we not come up with a means in 2020 that makes better sense? And, and while I'm there, let me segue on, why do we have that daggum electoral college, which is so antiquated and so out of step 
to 2020. Let's dream the possibilities. There has to be another way. Now, let's mind you, what did our what did our, our fathers want when they founded this country? They founded this country umpteen years ago, and it did not look anything like our country today. So when you tell me that I've got to stay with the horse and buggy method because that's what they started with in a jet propulsion and in a time when we're sending people in outer space left and right, but you want me to stay with the horse and buggy for my voting institution, I don't get it. Explain that to me. Can we not imagine a better way? And I don't understand why more people aren't crying foul and saying, why are we still doing it this way? Because number one, how many times have we seen votes that weren't even close, but because of the electoral college, a presidential candidate wins, but the popular vote went to their opponent. Mm -hmm. one, one would think at this point in time that that would have changed a long time ago. Um, but then again, that steps away from we the people. You know, like you said, we look at the last election with Trump. Hillary had the popular vote. One would think we the people, the people voted, he had, but the electoral college, you know, appointed him president. One would think at this point in time we would be, we would be, we would have a different system at this point. Because at this point, it's not we the people anymore. But doesn't that speak to the fact that we've got to insist on change, changing the Correct. system? How long do we go along with this before somebody cries foul? And my thing is, okay, we can't prove all of the backdoor deals. We can't prove this and that and the other, but we can sure come up with another system to try to combat the current situation that's in place because it's not working. How long do you sit and look at something that's not working and say it's not working and then keep on moving? Uh, she, uh, The Harvey said, I would even go for mail-in voting if they allow every uh, 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 person's vote. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm just saying the system is broken. Yeah. The system is not changing with the times. Like you said, we, we update everything. I mean, technology has taken over the world, but for some odd reason, our political system, our voting system has not changed with the times. Because we have, most of our leaders are, are old school. I mean, we look at look at our Supreme Court. I mean, I think what the youngest person on there is almost sixty. <laughs> right. So. That the geriatric. Uh... <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now I mean, we got a Supreme Court justice being tested. I mean, she's been she has liver cancer. I mean, <laughs> our country's being run by. I mean, nothing against the singers. We love y'all, but. We got to shake it up a little bit. But we're mm -hmm. even going there. I'm going to get to Anita that said electoral college is how we get whatever it is that we got. And that is so true. So I'm still trying to talk about, we're talking about changes to the political fabric. That fabric is worn and torn. It's not just worn, it's torn. So, I mean, it didn't work to start it. And it's, it's clearly not working now. It's not. Now let's take into consideration since you brought up 
the Supreme Court, which I wasn't even thinking to go there. But since you brought up the Supreme Court, I'm looking at this reality as well. So Trump has just put in at the federal level 300 justices for life. That's a lifetime appointment. Now, just like yeah. we got the geriatrics now, we're going to have that. Now, that fabric is torn. That fabric is torn. Do we want to continue to allow partisan politics to appoint people for a whole entire lifetime? Does that even make sense in 2020? We finally got, uh, come on, FDR. FDR gets, a, he gets his term. FDR gets his term again. FDR gets his term again. FDR gets his term again. Finally, somebody got the wherewithal to say, we can't just let somebody come in and, and dominate and be the president of the United States forever. We've got to put in term limits. Why have we not put in term limits for the justice system? Because they more so have control over the haves and the have nots when you start talking about poor and black people and, and people of color being mistreated. Then when you look at the reality that for all of these individuals' lives, they have been given dual charge over us, that fabric is torn. Yes. I, I really think, we, especially with the Supreme Court, we should go to, I mean, there should be terms. I mean, to appoint someone into a position for a lifetime, um, life changes, people change, situations change. And we need a political system, a, a, a governance system that changes with that. People, I mean, I feel the Supreme Court judges should be voted in just the way everybody else is. I mean, you can't, you can't go into, you're already 60. And I mean, you're in your ways and your, your guidance and your ruling is going to be based off of your experience, your belief. But that may not be the, the nature of the country at that time. So no one should be in any political office situation for a lifetime. Because we're just, the country isn't evolving with, evolving with the people. Okay. We're just, so today we're imagining possibilities because I'm not just trying to talk. I am saying, look at this, look at this, look at this. But I'm also saying, what's the option? So should the legal, the justices go out the door with the administration when it exits and the new administration be able to bring in their uh, justice team or system? What do you think about that? I, I would say yes, because at the end of the day, that administration, they're going to, you know, bring a, bring aboard people with their same thought process. So I, I, I feel everybody, if you come in with that administration, you go out with that administration. So, I mean, to give the change and, and different opportunity and, and different, uh, different voice and like I said, the country just, we changed, we evolved. We're not where we were 20 years ago. So we would need a, a justice system and a legal system that changes as we change and as our administration changes. I think anybody, you come in with that administration, everybody should go with that administration. And we've seen administrations in the past, quite frankly, where they have actually, uh, the new person coming into leadership 
retains many of the individuals? Because my thing is this. I don't think all of that needs to be partisan. I think you need to look at people's records. You need to look at what they're doing and what they have done in the past. Make an assessment of how profitable, how effective they've been in that position. And by all, 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 all stretch of the imagination, if they've done a good job and the leadership is cool with that, which I think they should be, leave them there. It doesn't have to be. And we've seen leadership do that not all the time and not a whole lot, but we have seen leadership in the past who just keeps them there. But at the same time, I do feel like two presidents down the road shouldn't have to deal with the justices that were put in by this president. I think that's just totally unfair. Anita said, Can like we as a culture jail to create our own community like, <laughs> like the Mormons? Do we want to start isolating here and creating our own? And that, that's, that's an issue. Do, do we want to be, do we want to be isolated? Do we, do we want our own? Because then at that point, we're still pushing the the, the separate like conversation and tone of wanting to be separate. Yes, yes, it's great to have you know African Americans in 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 power and this that, and the other. But do we want to create our own? Do we want to be separated? I personally have to say I am an advocate for the United States versus the divided states. Sure. However, I also have to acknowledge, even when you talk about Mormons uh, and the whole essence of Mormonism, uh, their religion being respected where they have their own mores and uh, uh, way of living as far as laws and how they observe those laws. So then um, I think that there are times when subcultures need to have the liberty to live as they see fit. Uh, my only concern is at what point do we become completely divided and completely fractured? However, I mean, when, we look, when we look at the Mormon lifestyle, their, their, their way of living is accepted amongst them. But to the rest of the world, it can be a little strange. So as African-Americans, do we want to be in that position of our way of life and our, our culture is only accepted amongst us and we're, we're, we're divided from the rest of the world? Do I care about looking strange? And, and, and I'm just talking here, but do I care? About, I don't care about looking strange. I, you know, my, my, everything about me is uh, different. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, it is. I grew up where uh, we didn't wear by faith, uh, our faith tradition, we didn't wear pants. So while everybody else at school had on pants, uh, my sisters and I had on dresses. And so uh, it didn't matter what was going on, gym, it didn't matter. Uh, all the times that you would want to find excuses and explanations. So, and I'm saying that to say, I grew up being different and, and, and not fitting in. Sometimes that's very uncomfortable, particularly for children. Sometimes it's been marvelous because it, what it has created in me is a, I don't care about you looking at me because I'm, you think I'm strange because I understand what I'm about. When I get to be a certain age, I'm able to choose. Do I want to follow that and embrace it? Do I want to do my own? But at the end of the day, I don't care whether you think I'm strange or not. My, my worship right now today is probably strange because I, you know, 
I, I'm, I'm totally physical in my worship. Somebody else gonna look at that and say, oh, that's really weird. So I don't care about the strangeness. Uh, and, and, and I think that we as a cultural group have always been looked at strangely by other people. So I, I, I'm going to waylay the strange as an issue. What else do you feel like would really, really be a deterrent to uh, the, the separation? I mean, like, like you said earlier, I'm, I'm for the United States. And my thing is, I feel we need to connect as a people. I, I, I'm all for really pushing the Black agenda, really making sure that, you know, our voice is being heard. I'm not a big fan of us separating because I feel it's pushing us backwards. I agree. Because, I mean, we, need to, we need to come together as a people in, our, in order to heal this country and in order to be successful as a country. If we go, even looking at the Mormons, they, they commune amongst themselves. You don't see too many Mormons other, like out amongst the people they have a culture amongst themselves, their beliefs, their religions, their way of life, that is them, it's just them. Um, and that I don't think that's healthy for the black culture. Because I feel that will that will push us that that will set us back. I hear you. But what do you do when the mainstream culture and status quo continues to oppress you and put you in slave like positions and disrespect you as a human being? We had then, two. Then we uh -huh. I'm sorry. And, and make, we continue to fight and make our voices heard. And and again, and that's what we have to, you know, make sure that our we are seated at the table. We make sure that you know our voice is being heard. We make sure that our people are being voted into office and able to make decisions. And we're, and we're pushing the black agenda. But pushing the black agenda doesn't mean we have to be separate. I hear that, but I, I am going to say this, and, and I was going to mention we had two of our civil rights leaders that went home on the same day, huge, huge presences that left us, that they could have told you from A to Z about the fight uh, from their lifetime, and not only them, but I'm going to purport to you that people of color, i.e. Black folk, we've been in the fight of our lives since over 222 years since they started kidnapping and bringing us here. Uh, the people that drowned and chose the ocean over coming to this land, they were fighting. Uh, I mean, whatever way you want to look at it, Kunta Kinte, when they cut off his foot, he was fighting. Mm -hmm. And the fight has never, ever stopped. And so after 222 years plus, We've got minimal to no progress. I, I want to go back. Sheila said something about the turnover on administration and that point right there. And, and I, I want you to I want you to speak to that because I hear the young people almost as if we've not been fighting, but we've been fighting like crazy. And quite frankly, some of us are tired. Sheila mentioned as far as administration changes, the, if the entire system continues to change, that's just too much turnover. Fair and impartial administration is better served by longevity, not political power. Uh, I agree with that, but I think that's going to feed into the ones who feel like they should be there for life because they they know it best and they've got all the expertise and so on and so forth. So somewhere in there, I'm looking for a happy medium because the longevity is what's killing us. Mm -hmm. And uh, longevity sure. is what drove us to 
the idea that they can go until life uh, before they, uh, you know, come on here. I, I feel like this. Pastors in the church need to retire. Y'all talking about you don't rust out. You, you, you. Listen, you 110 years old. And you can't barely move. You can't think. And people are vital and ready to go forth. And young folks got energy. You need to retire. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Folks right. ain't ready for me. Lifetime. I think we need to look at this whole concept of why we feel like everything's got to go for a lifetime. Number one. Let me interject for some. I understand the issue of income and money is always at the root whenever you get done. But at the end of the day, some of these pastors are tired. They want to quit. And I would say even some of these judges are tired. They want to quit. Some of these lifetime politicians, they're tired. They want to quit. That's why they ain't doing nothing. But they're getting that check. You're right. And I, and I, I feel, you know, a high turnover rate isn't well, especially when, we, when we're talking about like the government. But I feel every administration should have the opportunity to switch people out, regardless of what position you're in. You shouldn't be able to go and be elected into a position or chosen for a position and you're there for a lifetime. Same with the church. When the pastor gets old, the pastor got to go. And the deacon board will vote you out. <laughs> you should agree. Well, and this is what this is what I think we need to look at whether it's political uh, and, and, and even we talk about the political fabric. We cannot deny that there is a political fabric that we call church. That's 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 really there. So uh, when we talk about political fabric, I'm not just talking about the politics of government, but I'm talking about the politics of government in all of these institutions, education included. I mean, take it all, take it to all the institutions you want to. At the end of the day, this becomes an issue. We have not trained and poured into those that are going to come after us. So a lot of times what you end up having is some of those old timers have to keep on because you really don't have anybody uh, that's really qualified to step into their shoes if something happens to them. Whether it's a pastor, whether it's a Supreme Court justice or whatever, some of these people are clueless. And I don't care just because you have the title. And just because you occupy space of a job doesn't mean that you know what you're doing. So but that, I, doesn't that doesn't that reflect the on the old timer though? Yes. A person who's been in the position for so long, because a person's only gonna know what they know. Now they may have a title, they may not have the experience, but wouldn't you want to start to mold someone to to do what you do or replace you? If you have not trained a predecessor or predecessors, and you're in any level of leadership, you are completely out of step with your responsibilities. Because part of the function is to train those that will come behind. So if we look in the political, uh, Tyrone, how many political uh, individuals your age are running for office? How many are prepared to run for office? We won't, we won't even deal with how many are running. How many are actually prepared to run for office if they did run? I I couldn't tell you. I, I think you, a lot of people my age are running for, they may not be prepared and have a full understanding of what they're getting into. I think it's more of just, just wanting change. So they, they may not be prepared, but most of the people who've been in office and had several, you know, 
terms in office. I'm sure they weren't prepared when they went in. I'm sure they weren't. It's on the job training. Now, the, 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 but doesn't that scare you that our political fabric is comprised of people who have absolutely positively no idea what they're doing, but they're running the it country? Is, it is scary. I mean, look at our president. I wasn't I mean, going to name him. <laughs> that's, that's scary. I mean, that's, that's, that's real scary. I, 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 know I, that I, it's scary. Like, for real. Well, since we went there, Agent Orange has an agenda of cheap by any means necessary. We need to stay in their ears. They work for us all. That's Mr. Harvey. I appreciate you. But at the end of the day, you got Kanye. (laughs) A joke. Right. I mean, uh, that's, yeah. (laughs) That's that's a complete joke. But you know what it is? Eventually doesn't realize that He's a joke right now. But listen, we thought this current situation was a joke, but it happened. That's all I'm going to say about that. So at the end of the day, this is what I want to say. Our current fabric of the political system in its current state allows for jokes to happen. That's what I'm saying. We need to look at possibilities. So what are the possibilities? We already disagree on... uh, you know, folks want to continue going to the ballot box, you know, trusting that the 80 and 90 year old geriatrics that are working the polls to get the, the <laughs> to carry the boxes and get them so they can be tallied. But if you, we, if you roll on your phone, you don't get a sticker. You know, they, y'all can send me, you know how you scan the things with the, right. the, the QR code? Is that what it is? Make your own. <laughs> <laughs> Do your QR code, scan it, and then on all of your devices, it'll be I voted. <laughs> so oh, instead man. of wearing it here, you just flash your phone up with the QR code that says I voted. Oh, oh okay. I always look forward to that thing. <laughs> there are many people that are very proud of that sticker. But right. at the end of the day, if your sticker still lets a system that's antiquated bring in the candidate of the electoral college who is not who the popular vote went to, I'm not proud of my sticker like I want to be. All right. So do, do you think we need our own political system? I think the or, politi- or, or, or a new political system? I think we need a new political system. That's my opinion. And that's when I said, let's talk about possibilities. Let's talk about possible because I'm a dreamer. I'm a person that believes that there's all kind of change on the horizon. I believe that. But then the $64,000 question is, what are we going to change to? And invariably, when we get to these critical moments, that's when we see people going, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. What are we going to change to? And I'm sitting there saying, surely somebody's got to be thinking about something else. 
Sheila right. said, we must work in and around political campaigns for others to become ready to run ourselves. In other words, John Lewis worked as a junior aide to Dr. King. And that is so true. That is so true. Uh, and I, I will say this, you don't see a lot of that mentorship uh, where you have the mentor and the mentee working together. You don't hardly see that on jobs. You don't hardly see it, uh, you know, the 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 days where we got training and we were understudies to people are almost bygone days. Do you agree or disagree? Oh, I agree. And do you feel that should be a requirement to, to run for political office having be mentored by or having that experience of working with someone in the political field? you do need some kind of apprenticeship because at the end of the day if i've never worked with a multi-million dollar budget matter mm -hmm. of fact let's go this way if i've never worked with a budget at all not even my own budget at home if i've never worked with a budget and then i run for an office and off of charisma personality or whatever it is that causes the voters to select me i i i win by some baffling uh, uh uh fluke and i walk into the first meeting and they hand me a budget and i don't know what i'm looking like what i'm looking at houston there is a problem right. but we do it all the time we take totally unqualified totally inexperienced people throw them into these terms and then give them all this responsibility and nine times out of 10, they come in mimicking and imitating the regimes that were, or the, 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 the administrations that were before them. And they imitate the same thing, which is me and my cronies all get fat cat money and everybody else, hey, grab everything you can while you're in here. And so the people are steadily falling through the cracks and you've got in that people that don't even know how to administrate the business of the people, but you voted them in. But they were the candidates that, candidates that you had to work with. So yes, yeah. there should be some sort of apprenticeship. And, and, and even in that, you have to be careful because then people will turn that into something monetized where I'm training people for X amount of dollars so you can run for office. Whereas we had a John Lewis who partnered with the Martin Luther King. There was no money exchange. There was no money involved. It was just a matter of walking in a shadowing position so that they could learn everything that they could learn from the inside out and then moving into those shoes. We need that kind of system, I believe. Uh, and I would agree with that. Because like you said, a lot of, I mean, we look at our president. A lot of people are, they get the vote and no experience, no, no background in politics. They're, they're, what they see is they just want change without knowing big picture and knowing everything that goes into it and knowing that just because you want change and you're, you're coming in there with this mindset that I'm going to do things different, not realizing how it's going to impact the country. And they, they have no experience. They have no background. They haven't mentored anyone under anyone. They're, they're just going in and making decisions that backfires and it puts the country in a bad situation. Let me ask you this as uh, one of the younger people. 
Do you think your generation wants to go into politics? As politics currently exists, and I, I kind of am coming here for a reason because I believe the fabric, our political fabric is so worn and torn. I don't even think you guys want to go into that. Well, I would say, I think we want to go into politics. And I think we are a, a people who want change. I think we're a people who who are also getting the education and the backing for things. Um, I, our parents fought, you know, our grandparents fought and their parents fought. And we're just at a point now where things have to change. So I, I feel my generation are people who want to go into politics to honestly make change for our people. We no longer want to sit back and let the dominant race tell us what we can and cannot do how we can live, where we can live, this, that, and the other. So I would say, I would, I would say my generation of people want to go into politics to make change. Not politics the way they've been, but going into a system where we're honestly able to make change. Versus just, like you said, collecting the check and just going with, with the, the popular vote and rolling with the masses. I, I feel... I mean, we see it with the riots. We see it with, you know, everything that's going on in the world in the world right now. My generation and and even I, you know, your generation, people are just tired, and we're we're people who really want to see some type of change, and we can't just sit back and let somebody say change is going to happen, and we see nothing. So that being said, I envision that your generation is really going to vote come November. You feel like there's going to be a heavy turnout. Uh, I see you. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What's the twisting of the lips? Was that a slight stroke that came on? What happened? So <laughs> it's a slight stroke. It's just a slight <laughs> stroke. So uh, you guys are coming out like gangbusters come November. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say that. And I say that because I know even for myself, um, we have two we have two people running for office that we really don't feel neither either one of them have our back. I mean, minority wise, we always go Democrat. So people think that you know we want. Um, well, I want to call him Bin Laden. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, I mean, he was he was great with Obama, but you have to. But you also think like he would be a one-term president. Does a lot happen in a term? Other than you pull like a Trump stunt and he just signs off on everything. But I mean, if you really have our, our backing, I mean, Biden isn't going to go to term. He may not make it the whole first term. I mean, he is an older man. And I and of course we just don't want Trump. We don't feel I, I, for me. I don't feel there's someone that I'm honestly 100% behind. So I mean, and then we saw what happened in the last election where you know we pushed the vote and popular vote went one way, but the electoral college went another way. So people have been discouraged. Um, so I hope they turn out. I mean, I hope they vote for anybody other than Trump. But, um, and shout out to our Trump supporters watching. 
But um, <laughs> just, just, yeah, I, I hope they come out. I, I, I feel some people may have been like discouraged. And that's what I guess I'm trying to address. And I'm getting half of your face, Tyrone. That's where I think I'm addressing the idea that uh, there's something that has to change in the fabric because we've got discouraged youth that are, you know, I hear you really, the undercurrent and underbelly of what I'm hearing is almost as if um, they're y'all don't want to vote for either of these candidates, but you ain't got no choice. And so some folks are just going to bow out and then let's, uh, and this is my reader's digest condensed version of what you said. Uh, and then some are, are uh, a little bit waylaid by the fact that popular vote didn't win last time. And so what's my point? What's the point? So I guess what I'm trying to get to here really speaks to how we are able to eliminate that kind of a scenario uh, where we can become viable. I'm going to put Sheila's comment back up here for a second. And I really want to say even this, how many people have actually worked in a political campaign? Probably zero. Actually worked in or around a political campaign. Probably zero. Yeah. But yet and still, in the midst of all that we want to talk about, uh, and so it's like, at what point do we actually put some meat on the bones so that we can rise as a living body? Uh, we're not working campaigns. We're not doing any of the shadowing. We're not, we're not, we're not. And sitting back and just talking about it without some kind of means of how are we going to change this political uh, factor, this fabric that is so worn and so torn, I'm just trying to figure out where is it going to come from because my brain is thinking in another realm because I feel and believe with all sincerity that this current fabric is ruined. I mean, ruined. It's gone. It's done. It's kaput. It's fini. <laughs> it's over. It's kaput, gone, done. How many times can I say it again and again? The system is jacked up. It is. Can y'all hear me? Yes, we can. Yeah. Okay, I had to switch out my earbuds. We, we understand. <laughs> and it's going to take the young voter turnout to dump Trump, Mr. Harvey says. Uh, you know, I, 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 I feel like uh, it's going to be an interesting scenario. But outside, and again, like I said at the onset, I really wasn't even trying to talk about parties even though I will say this, I question the two-party system because the two-party system has really failed us as well. Uh, I'm not trying to be partisan. I'm not trying to talk about candidates. I'm talking about the system. The system is broken. Is it a Democrat and a Republican that's really going to be the answer for leadership? 
is our current method of governance even effective for 2020? When I talk to young people like you, Tyrone, what does all of that sound like and look like to you? I, I would say we need a, we need another party. I, I always get confused with like independence because I've never really I'm I feel like the independent party is like a mixture of both Democrat and Republic. Um, but when I look at the two po political parties, our main political parties, Democrat and Republic, um, Republicans, they really don't speak to the people. And I feel like for someone like myself, the younger generation, I guess, we, we need a political party that's going to speak for change, like honest change. And the, with the two political parties we have now, we, there, there's really no change. Um, I think the Democrats just know that they have the black vote in their pocket. Um, so that, that's their base. But you can honestly look at Democratic politicians and they're not saying anything that is going to change for us. Well, so then that brings up the point. Is it time for new political parties altogether? I think because so. At the end of the day, let's keep it real. How many times do we get to the election and somebody that's not even of a given party just kind of goes with the party that they think is going to win and all of a sudden they declare themselves a candidate of that party? I've gotten so sick of that in latter years that it's just unbelievable. So it's like, if you're not even of this party, why do you come here and claim this party so that you can win? Uh, you know, it's like... At the end of the day, what is a Democrat? At the end of the day, what is a Republican? Do we even know? Because at some point we have to even go back to the fact that up until a certain point, it was almost the exact flip-flop and uh, where the transition took place and this and that and the other and why the transition took place. And we always have to look at, and, and your question was it ever, we always have to look at even when people look like and appear to be doing what's in our best interest, is it really because they have a hidden agenda that may be slapping us and biting us on the back end? We always have to look at that as well. And more times than not, that has occurred over and over again in this country's history and or leaders that give us a promise of a thing in a, a, a where the, while they're running for office and then as soon as they get in they have complete and total amnesia do we need to look at other party systems in the united states and so my thing here is what are and who said it has to be democrat who said it had to be republican where and why do we get so stuck in certain ideas ideologies and then it seems like now i understand the emergence of a new party is going to be like I don't know. Right. Let me. I'm gonna back up because maybe the young people might come out with a new party and just overrun everybody. And I, I feel we probably would, um, but to make it what the Democrat and Republican Party is would take a lifetime to be something major. Even if we don't have a new political party. I feel as a people, we need to support and create people, politicians 
and upcoming politicians who we honestly feel support what we want as far as change and support them and back them and, and, and motivate them to run for office and give them the backing and the support they need to be sufficient and be able to compete with the older politicians who've been in that realm for a really long time. I feel we, we have great people they just don't have the backing that they need to be able to compete with your Joe Bidens and your Donald Trumps and your um, Bernie Sanders and those type of people. We as a people, not just black, but people who just want change, we need to find and support those politicians that represent what we need in this country and support them and back them. So we can keep our political parties because at the end of the day, I mean, to change a political or add a new political party would take a lifetime. I probably wouldn't see. But we just need to support and back and back people who have the same ideals that we do, okay. and not let them fall by the wayside. We, I mean, when this election race started for Democrat, there was like what, like forty some people, and great people who would really stand for change had to drop out because they didn't have the backing. They didn't have the funding and they, they just backed out. So then we're stuck with our same old politicians, Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Donald Trump, because they have the backing, they have the funds, they have the support. And we need to support those people who, those bottom of the barrel politicians who we feel support and represent what we represent. So if we're imagining possibilities should money fall by the wayside as it uh, relates to how our candidates are selected? Should money mm -hmm. fall by the wayside in how our candidates are selected? I would say so. I think a lot of our politicians that we have, they're only selected because they have the money. And the people who don't have the money fall off. They they can't compete. They have they have a great message. They're out here doing the work, but they don't have the money to rent, you know, to have these big buses and jets and planes and be able to travel to all these different states and host these huge rallies and have, you know, people on the ground, you know, soliciting votes and things of that nature. They don't have the backing for that. But those are probably some of the, the best people to bring change. They just don't have the, the backing. I agree. And, and that falls on us. And, and, and elaborate on that, please. When I say that falls on us, because if, we, if there's someone that we truly feel has the same ideas that we do, and we feel they can bring change, we as a people, race not in, included in this, but we as a people, need to do what we can do we need to do everything possible to bring that person to the forefront okay okay we can't sit back because then then they fall into that that super PAC situation where now a big corporation or several big corporations and big leaders are funding them to push their agenda and then that takes away from we the people and our voice if we back these people we fund these people we make sure they're on the forefront we have a better chance of getting our voices out there Excellent. Brother Harvey said, don't need new parties. We just need to state the platform and run and have an open election. Uh, thank you. 
uh, Sheila said she agreed with Brother Harvey. Set your platform and run on it. State what you have to offer to the people. And I think that's a, a an issue because nine times out of 10, we don't know what these uh, candidates are allegedly offers, offering to the people. We don't even know right. what you stand for. We don't know anything about you other than drain the swamp and I own a lot of guns. So at the end of the day, you know, there's a lot of rhetoric that gets thrown around to incite different emotions um, and there's really no platform even given. Uh, and, and so do we really, 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 and, and, and I have to say that was a shameless dig because that there, there is a, uh, we have a, a candidate running here on a very racist platform that I'm just really aggravated and agitated by, uh, not because of his party, I'm agitated at the racism that's just really blatant and, and seemingly okay on, on television. But at the end of the day, there is no platform given. There is no agenda. As a matter of fact, do you even know what your candidates that are running in your area, do you know? I, I know I don't. I know I'm one of those people that I was, my mom was a Democrat. I've always been a Democrat. And when I go to the poll, I check everything Democrat. What they're running on, even what they're running for, most times I don't know. Now, when it comes down to the president, I, I do invest in that. But like locally, local stuff, like I don't get it. But the local folks are controlling your life. Correct. So that, that's, that's a takeaway for me that I really need to be more involved in what, what, what I'm actually voting for. So are older people derelict in our duties of educating our generation coming behind? Say that again? Are the older people derelict in their duties of educating your generation and those that come behind? Because I think you all, we have fought for things and experienced things and understand things maybe from, and, and I'm going to say this. I got some people my age that are clueless. So, you know, <laughs> don't feel badly. But what I'm saying is if we want a changed system, knowledge is power. Knowledge is key. Sure. And so if I'm talking to young people who probably like yourself don't know who they're voting for, what they're voting for, other than this is the way mom and dad voted. I'm voting a straight party line ticket uh, because... This is all I know. Doesn't that do us harm if there's somebody running in a different party that really has more of your needs that they intend to meet with their platform, but you're voting in one straight party line or one particular concept or without even knowing which of the candidates, maybe within your party, but which of the candidates within your party stand for what you stand for without that knowledge I, that 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 to me makes the process a little that that to me is a part of the tearing in the fabric. But I, I, I blame that on the older people. I, I do I do feel that like me thinking of my childhood, like voting stuff wasn't something that my parents really talked about. I just knew they were Democrats, and that was that. Um, I do feel that it it should be a bigger conversation especially with the older generation with dealing with like younger kids. And I mean, just younger people in your circle as, as a whole, really talking about maybe your experience with voting or um, 
or just having a, a better understanding of what the candidates are, are running on. Because like I said, for me, I my parents were Democrats. I'm Democrat. And that's, that's how I've always voted. Um, yes, I do look at debates, and I may hear something on the Republican side where I'm like, oh, that's, that's interesting. But still in the back of my head, is like, but they, they're trying to take down the Black community. So, I mean, you know, so I think it, it, would, it would be beneficial for, you know, the older generation to converse with people of the younger generation about voting. Um, or, or just their their understanding of what they look for in a candidate, or what 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 the candidate's running on. Just just having that, that dialogue, I think it would help the younger generation have a better understanding of how important really understanding your candidate is. Because um, I'm sure there's many people just like me that we just go with. I'm I'm black, and my parents were Democrat, uh-huh. and okay. I'm a run for I'm a vote for a Democrat. And and that's an honest uh, that's an honest expression. I, I'm I'm glad that you're comfortable to to express that honestly. And and by all means, I by no means think that you're alone in that at all, Tyrone. So I appreciate. It. I just looked up the clock and saw that I'm way over time. But uh, I you know I want you to formulate in your mind whatever you want to say in closing. Uh, this yes, you was really intended and designed. Uh, again, my goal here tonight was to say, okay, we're on the we're on the precipice of change. We keep hearing that. We keep hearing that. But what do we want to change to? What things do we want to change? What things do we want to keep the same? And I think all of us as a country and as a nation, if we really want to bring uh, the kind of change that needs to happen, I think we need to give it some serious thought ahead of time so that we can launch the change effectively in some kind of organized chaos uh, to to bring it to pass. Because it's going to be chaotic. Any kind of change is going to be chaotic, but I think it can still be organized chaos. So I think we've got to really think about what do we want? How do we want it changed? What things do we want to change? Sheila said, I'd love to see intra-community conversations that once took place in barbershops, porches, socials, etc. And I agree with that. We need to talk more often about the issues. And I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that because those are the kinds of things that happen in those locations. And even as children, sometimes in the beauty shop or the barber shop, it may have been grown men's conversation that you couldn't join into, but you at least heard what was going on. You at least got the ideas and the concepts of what needed to be addressed. So at the end of the day, I think we need to look at some things. Uh, Definitely term limits. We need to look at, do I need to be in this position for the rest of my life? Um, We need to address that. Some kind of apprenticeship program that you can't just jump out of the water uh, into, you know, a whole nother arena and turf that's totally unfamiliar to you. And uh, you're used to swimming. Now we want you to walk on land. It just doesn't work that easily. So I think we need to look at that very seriously. The electoral college, is it still effective? Does it still need to be around? Does it need to be modified? We need to look at that kind of stuff. Voting and how we vote. All of those things, I think while we're talking about a precipice for change, uh, helping to educate our younger generations on, we keep screaming vote, but if they don't know what to vote for, what are we asking them to do? To just be parrots? To just mimic? to just 
copycat whatever we tell them to do that's not life and that's not living and i don't think we should ask younger people if we're not educating them on what the issues are i don't think we should ask them to vote our party line when we haven't stopped to educate them on what we're trying to talk about and what the issues are so they're grown they have brains they can think they can think for themselves we shouldn't be telling them what to think we should be able to give them the platforms on all arenas in all arenas nobody should be expected to be democrat because mama's democrat nobody should be angry if i vote a split ticket uh number one it's private and personal anyway but at the end of the day let people think and i think some of these candidates need to be made to think too because i think some of them are as dumb as a box of rocks and they don't have an agenda and they don't have a platform and they throw a few things out there that they want you to hear because they know you're going to vote democrat and i think some of these democrats need to be taken to task because y'all y'all listen some of this stuff y'all doing y'all playing a number on us just because you know we're going to vote democrat in some instances and you don't have any intention of learning knowledge and getting any better at your craft you just want that check so that being said changes to the political fabric i feel like they're on the forefront and the horizon i feel like it's got to happen i appreciate everybody that has had input in today's session of our viewers and your conversations and comments have been very helpful and appreciated and we will be having it and you can you could have done it tonight but we will be having it if you want to call in and talk about it you're definitely welcome to do that uh in our future broadcast but tyrone has done a beautiful job having this dialogue and discussion with me on tonight uh older generation uh i'm not even gonna say versus because we're not against each other but older generation talking to the younger generation and the younger generation talking to the older generation and i want to put it in reverse as well because tyrone i heard some very valuable points that you brought to the table and i hear you too thank you <laughs> and we'll close with whatever you want to say on the close and take us on out well i would say i i appreciated this conversation because you know this is it, it, it wasn't a race conversation it was a conversation that everybody can identify with um there's a lot of change that needs to happen but like you like the point that you made we need to identify which change we need um i feel sometimes things just we just want change regardless of who we are we just want change and we're just out there wanting change but not knowing what that change is um so i feel this was a great conversation getting the conversation going on you know what changes we need to make happen and what some of the solutions can be and like i said it was a conversation it's for anybody so no karen's to be upset it's a conversation for everybody because we all want change and we all want to be treated equal so i feel like this was a great conversation to just get the, the ball rolling on it well get those juices flowing we want change and let's think of some plans because things have got to change and they're going to and that's yeah. a good thing i always want to thank our engineer the state supervisor i excuse me the galactic supervisor she keeps us going and flowing and with that in without that engineering we would be up a creek she keeps us on our toes and i want to thank you for that uh think about it think about it and so the change is going to come and you're the one that can bring it and yes you are the one that can make that change. Have a good one.